This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life. Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Martin climbed Bobon Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. And if you enjoy what we do here at Locked on Rockets, do me a huge favor, hit the subscribe button at our brand new YouTube channel, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, we would sincerely appreciate it. Loaded episode today, out a little bit late, I'm not going to lie. Still kind of crossed over because of the Vegas time switch, all of that. Still posted up here in Vegas for the final summer league game of the Houston Rockets. And there have been, we got a lot of different observations, a lot of different thoughts on what we saw out of the Rockets game uh, against the Orlando Magic, what we saw with no Jalen Green from the jump in this one, uh, and some really interesting thoughts from Rockets coach Will Weaver uh, as to you know how they're approaching the use of Alper and Shingun in their in their sets in their schemes, all of that stuff. Anthony Lamb's performance was has been pretty solid, honestly, all throughout summer league. Um, getting into a bunch of different topics as well as just kind of general thoughts across the first four summer league games, some major takeaways and all that stuff. But I want to focus primarily first on this game and you know what we saw out of this one and the general thoughts there. So coming into this game, I said in Friday's episode, and I really wanted to see this against the Orlando Magic, I'm thinking, okay, no Jalen Green from the jump in this one. So we should hopefully see the Rockets utilize Alperin Shingun, run the offense through him a bit more rather than you know letting other guards kind of take the lead in the absence of Jalen Green, which, hey, we did get fan favorite, uh, local legend, uh, sniper Armani Brooks back in the lineup for this game, although he did look like he sat out due to health and safety protocols, had a bit of a rough outing, unfortunately, just two of eight shooting, only five points in this game, didn't hit a single three-pointer, very uncharacteristic for Armani Brooks, but it's got to be tough sitting out for a straight week, you know, having to return negative test results every single day and being boarded up in a hotel room, not being able to touch a basketball, right? He looked a little rough around the edges. So not going to hold that against him. We know that that's not his usual uh, style of play when he's out there on the court. Know that he's usually much better than that. But I kind of came to this again thinking that Alperin Shingun would play a much larger role offensively than he actually wound up playing. And that was the first thought at the front of my mind but besides so Alper and Shingun and then also Usman Garuba who basically we're going to treat this as his uh as his true Rockets debut as opposed to the game where he played 12 minutes and was still uh entirely too jet lagged to you know be even a functional human being let alone an NBA caliber player you know playing in summer league and trying to you know prove himself in front of in front of an organization in front of its fans so those were kind of the two guys that I was really focused on in this game to see what direction they went, how they played, 
and how the Rockets utilized them. And with Alper and Shingun, we saw some moments, kind of like the previous few games, where we saw some moments where the Rockets did go down low to him or run the offense through him, but largely... In fact, in this one, it actually kind of felt like they they went away from it even more so. Like, it kind of felt in the first few games that Shingun was a bit more demonstrative when it came to calling for the basketball, really trying to be aggressive about, you know, finding his his opportunities to seal his man and really trying to look for opportunities to take advantage of other players on the court using his size, using his, again, his ability to seal early, that kind of stuff. And we saw plenty of opportunities where, players on the Rockets did not see that, right? Where they missed those opportunities. They did, you know, they didn't have the, the the right court vision or they just kind of ignored the entry pass and opted for, you know, a swing around the perimeter or something to that effect, right? In this game against the Magic, we kind of saw a little bit less of that out of Shingun. We saw him be less active when it came to trying to call for the ball, you know, seal his man, really looking for, I guess, you know, his own opportunities offensively. And that was, I was kind of taken aback by that. So post game, I asked Rockets coach Will Weaver, you know, has, is that, has, was there maybe, you know, a plan going into this game, knowing, you know, no Jalen Green from the jump and with kind of the lack of primary ball handlers or facilitators, creators, whatever terminology you want to throw out there, was there maybe a plan to go into it to utilize Shingun and his passing and his ability to create for his teammates a bit more so than they normally would? And I want to give a quick shout out to Will Weaver because his answers are always really insightful. He takes the time to really, you know, be thorough in his responses. And I think he's, you know, incredibly transparent in what their, what their goals and intentions are very akin to Steven Silas and dating, going all the way back to Mike D'Antoni. I feel like the Rockets have just constantly had coaching staff that are straight, are just completely straight up with their answers when it comes to the media. You know, they're not hiding anything. They're not, uh, you know, brushing you off. They're not blowing you off with questions. Love that. It, it, you know, it makes my job easy and it makes a lot of other people's jobs easy and it makes it easier as fans to kind of try and sympathize, sympathize with what the team is trying to accomplish. So Will Weaver's answer was pretty insightful to me. He basically said, look, we, and I'm paraphrasing here, basically said, look, we could, you know, dump it down low to, to Alperin quite a bit more if we wanted to and just run the offense through him and try and chase some W's here in August in summer league, maybe score some extra points, that kind of thing. But that's not what we're trying to do. We want to, you know, stick true. We don't want to bend uh, what our belief is, what his role is going to be just to chase some wins here in summer league. He said that they're very happy with the balance that they've struck with Shingun as far as him being a playmaker and running the offense through him at times, as well as him being the realistically their only true five that they have here in summer league as a screener and as a role man or as a pick and pop threat, that kind of thing. And I thought that was, you know, insightful. I, I appreciated that answer because that was, again, my main goal coming into this game was thinking, okay, this should be, an opportunity for them to showcase Shingun's passing ability, maybe run the offense through him a bit more, that kind of thing. But when you take a step away and kind of look at it from like a 10,000 foot view, that isn't the right way to go about it because that isn't going to be Shingun's role when he's playing with the Rockets this upcoming season. Let's be realistic, right? When Shingun's out there on the floor with guys like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jay Sean Tate and Jalen Green and Christian Wood, right? he's not going to be getting like down low post touches. That's not going to be a thing. I mean, it might happen, you know, if a play breaks down or something, or if he seals off a smaller man, sure. But that's not going to be like option one, you know, in a list of, you know, four different 
offensive offensive sets on any given possession, right? He's not going to be the first option. He's probably not even going to be the third or fourth option at times offensively for the Rockets. So they want him to focus on what he's going to be doing, which is, again, setting solid screens, rolling hard to the rim, uh, a little bit of dribble handoff action that we've seen out of him, that kind of stuff, and just you know playing really, really solid defense, which he has so far. So I think that Alperin Shingun has fulfilled the role that the Rockets are expecting of him to a T. Whereas Rockets fans, you know, we've been kind of expecting a little bit more out of him. We wanted to see him, I guess, be the focal point a bit more. And it makes sense, right? At Summer League, we want to see some flashy plays. We want to see him, you know, be on display and what he's truly capable of. And we've seen that in spurts, right? But the Rockets didn't want to bend their entire approach to Summer League just to accommodate that one facet of his game. And I can respect that answer from, from Coach Will Weaver. I think it was, again, very insightful, and I appreciate him taking the time to explain their thought process and why we haven't seen more of that out of Alper and Shingun. So coming up, I want to talk about Usman Garuba. I want to talk a little bit about Anthony Lamb and then some kind of major takeaways from Summer League, as well as Josh Christopher. I mean, there's a lot of different things to dive into, but first we've got a message from my friends over at Sweatblock because, look, I'm inside right now and I've got my AC running. I'm cozy. I'm cool. I'm wearing a hoodie in Vegas because, again, I'm inside where I can crank the AC down super low. But what about when you go outside, right? When you're getting ready to go out, whether you're going out on a date, you know, a business lunch or a job interview, something, right? And you're worried about what you're going to wear. Look, I'm from Houston, born and bred. And the weather, right, you step outside and within five minutes, you're drenched. Nobody likes feeling that way. It's 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 awkward when you've got the like the stains and the clothes and stuff trying to think about what you're going to wear to avoid that, you know, potential embarrassment, all that stuff. You can get rid of all that anxiety, all that worry with sweat block. Because uh, look, sweat block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You basically just put it on at night before you go to bed and then you're good for the next morning. You wake up, wash, do everything normal and you're good for about a week. You know, it varies person to person. Some people it works for about a week. Some people it works for longer than that. But you put it on and then it completely eliminates the worry about having to, you know, decide what you're going to wear. Oh, I can't wear that shirt because it's too see-through and it's going to, you know, I'm going to sweat right through right through it, any of that stuff, right? You can get rid of all that worry, all that anxiety with Sweatblock. And you can check out Sweatblock and get 20% off of it at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on. You can also get it at Amazon and CVS. So again, that's 20% off at sweatblock.com when you use promo code locked on. And another message from our friends over at Indeed, because look, when when hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire in that order. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope for your perfect candidate. The Indeed will help you find your perfect candidate. Indeed's got the hiring tools to help you cut through the noise and hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job the moment your job gets posted. With Indeed assessments, you choose from one, 135 different skills tests to help make sure you're finding the right applications from the people with skills that you need. So get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, that's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. 
And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, not based out of Houston currently, based out of Las Vegas. And let's talk a little bit Usman Garuba because I'm I'm happy that he got like an actual game where he wasn't jet lagged, where he got his, his true Rockets debut in this one. And so let's run over his stat line really quick. So Usman Garuba still coming off the bench in this one, but played 17 minutes, so five more than in his first outing. Had four points, had eight rebounds, two assists, two of six shooting, missed his only three-point opportunity. Um, Of his rebounds, four of them were offensive, four of them were defensive. He also had a block, had one turnover, was a minus 13 in his 17 minutes. Um, That's not too throw shade at Usman Garuba. I mean, the Rockets lost by by 13 points. They kind of uh, wound up trailing the Magic for a majority of the second half of this game. But with Garuba, I think that the first thing that stands out is his attentiveness and his ability to, you know, I guess it's just his comfortability on defense. Whether it's on bigger players, smaller players, you can tell that he doesn't have an issue switching onto guys, that he is more than comfortable handling his own out on the perimeter or even inside. Uh, When I asked Will Weaver about Usman Garuba, what has stood out to him so far about him and what he's kind of expecting out of him in the final game, uh, he he basically said the things that stand out about Usman Garuba are his his length, his physicality, um, some of the plays that he's able to make after securing rebounds, be it a defensive board or an offensive board. And then the, the line that really sealed it for me is he said, you know, when bodies when bodies crash, Usman is usually the one still standing. And I thought that was so eloquent because we saw that a lot in this game where, you know, multiple guys scrapping for boards and Usman Garuba is the one that comes out of the scuffle and he's still upright while there's, you know, bodies that are, you know, like bowling pins just knocked down to the floor all around him. So I definitely think that offensively there were some times in this one where he kind of tried to take it upon himself to do something. And there's not a whole lot of a bag there. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mean about it, but there were a couple of times where he tried to, you know, back it, back a defender down and try to make something happen. There was the one play where he had a million different pivots in the paint. Um, there's just not a polished offensive game there. Like there is with Shingun. And so, and that, to be fair, that's not going to be his his expected role in the Rockets' offense, right? There's going to be there. There's never really going to be a time where the Rockets dump the ball down to Usman Garuba and say, "All right, make something happen." And he's also largely not expected, at least I don't believe, to be expected to be able to create off the bounce, you know, and attack off closeouts at the three point line. I really think that offensively, what we can expect from him is he's going to be a role man. And the most that we'll see out of him offensively is, you know, catching, catching passes on the roll towards the rim and finishing that way or hitting open three pointers out of the corner. But even then, I largely suspect that if Usman Garuba is in the game, I feel like he's going to be paired up with another player or another big uh, or I guess if they're running small and running Garuba at the five, sure, you know, maybe Tate or KJ Martin at the four spot, he's going to be paired up with another front court partner who is a, likely a better three point shot than he is so that he doesn't have to be the guy spotting up in the corner, right? 
Like, for example, if you pair Usman Garuba and Christian Wood together in the front court, then you can spot Christian Wood in the corner and let Garuba be the role man, right? So then you have your you have your 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 five out spacing. You've got Garuba as your role man. He's setting the pick. He's setting the pick, and then you run from there. And then if the help defender comes over, guess what? Christian Wood gets a wide open corner three pointer, and he is a much better three point shot than Usman Garuba. So. And I think you can you can argue the same for for Daniel Tice, or at least Daniel Tice has a history um, of, I guess, better consistency with his three point shot over time. It's not you know as drastic of a uh, comparison as Christian Wood to Usman Garuba, but still a bit more consistency there. To where if those two guys are in the game at the same time, I would argue that you want to spot up Daniel Tice in the corner and still let Usman Garuba be the role man. So. His role offensively with the Rockets is going to be, I feel like, largely the same, honestly, as it was with Real Madrid. He's probably going to have some more expectations, again, as a, as a bit more of a role man, role presence. But in this game, the defense really did stand out. There was the one possession where, uh, where Shingun and Garuba had back-to-back blocks on the same possession, leading to a 24-second violation by the Orlando Magic. So Shingun comes up with the first block, knocks it out of bounds, and then the Magic throw it back in. And I, I, I forget which player was trying to post up Usman Garuba, but that ended very poorly for him because, again, Garuba's got a really solid ability to time his blocks, and he's got a qu- he's got kind of like a quick second jump that I saw multiple times in this game where he try, you know, jumps for the initial, you know, block or rebound, and then is able to get up a, a second time rather quickly to again either, you know, get us get another contest up there or secure the board, whatever it may be. And the last thing about him is, and uh, as to Will Weaver's commentary on him, is his length. He's got long arms. Didn't mean to hit my mic, but I did. He's got incredibly long arms, which is what's helping him kind of contest shots. His ability to make things difficult for other players at the rim. Um, but I do think that, right, he, he, he's got a really solid defensive acumen so far, but he's going to be the guy of the four Rockets first round picks. He's going to be the guy that needs the most work, even though he was playing at a professional level with Real Madrid, he's going to be the guy that needs the most work and is going to be the biggest project at the NBA level, mainly because he needs to establish his offensive game and defensively. I think that even like Josh Christopher, who has shown a lot of defensive prowess, still has, you know, quite a bit, quite a bit of versatility on offense and isn't going to be a net negative offensively if he's on the floor. Whereas Garuba right now, until he gets that three point shot consistent or until we see enough tape and see enough of him in, you know, pick and roll. And I'm talking like we need a, large sample size to see what that, that what that's actually going to look like. You know, there's not a lot of confidence that I have in what he's going to be able to do offensively for this team. And that's okay. If you're in the role man spot, if you're if you're just expected to, to set hard screens, be it off ball, be it on ball, and then play really solid defense, then that's the role that he's going to get, sure. But offensively right now, I think that's going to be his biggest question mark and the part of his game that he's got to work on the most moving forward for him to be able to get consistent minutes. So want to talk a little bit about Anthony Lamb coming up in just a moment because I want to see, you know, want to kind of explore that a little bit. And does he actually deserve, has he earned a Rockets roster spot, uh, be it coming back on a two-way, whatever, right? 
Does Anthony Lamb deserve to come back? As well as kind of some you know, main takeaways from Rocket Summer League, all that good stuff. And we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Because why would you want to spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same parts when you can visit rockauto.com and save money? You're going to save time and money because their catalog is so easy, so easy to navigate. Go to their website, check it out. It's super quick to find whatever part you need for your car or truck. Because look, when you've got so many different makes and models out there today, if you drive down the street to, you know, an in-person auto parts store and you're like, hey, I need I need this part, it's broken, they're going to be like, oh, well, we don't actually even carry that in store. Just go online and buy it. And if you go online and buy it, it's going to be more expensive, right? So visit rockauto.com, check out their website, find their catalog. It's so easy to find the brands and specifications that you need for your car. They have everything that you could imagine. They've got brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even brand new carpet. And when you visit, when you go there, and when you're getting ready to check out, this is the really important part. When you hit the little shopping cart icon and you're checking out on their website, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. And another message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because if you've never had a protein bar that you've actually enjoyed, you gotta check out Built Bar. They are basically candy bars that are jam-packed with protein. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great if you're on a keto diet, and the, the flavors, you, you can't go wrong with any single one of them. They got raspberry, salted caramel, strawberry, cookies and cream, German chocolate. It doesn't even sound like I'm talking about protein bars, right? It sounds like I'm talking about desserts in some fancy dessert gallery somewhere. They're great. You know, if you're, for me, I grab them sometimes when I'm running out the door in the morning, running a little behind, you know, just grab a couple of built bars. They help tide me over and they're, you know, they're healthy. They're great for you. And even if you're trying to, maybe you're trying to lose weight, maybe you're just trying to stay where you're at. Built Bar can help you do that. And you can check them out. Just visit builtbar.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very first order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. And a final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. So quick thoughts on Josh Christopher from this one. He is very comfortable being given the extra responsibility of kind of being the primary creator, scorer, facilitator, all of that. He went off for 20 points in this one. 22 points, 7 of 19 shooting, 2 of 9 from behind the three-point line, 6 of 6 at the charity stripe, had three boards, had two assists, had a steal, did have seven turnovers. Um, So it's not like he was without fault in this game. There were plenty of opportunities where maybe, you know, he tried to thread the needle a little bit too closely, things of that nature. Um, But overall, he's got the confidence, right, to go out there and just – handle the rock. He's not going to shy away from the moment. You love to see that out of a young player like him. And when you take away the three point shooting, he was five of 10 from the floor. So I don't think there's any question about his ability to operate in transition. He's an absolute terror when he gets going North to South, uh, gets a full head of steam of him. He's great there. He drew a lot of, he drew a handful of fouls by, you know, just going like a freight train in transition. And, I continue to be impressed by his ability to brush off defenders with those wide shoulders, with his huge frame that he has, just kind of 
bumping off defenders to create that separation. Cause it's not like Jalen green where he's creating separation, be it, um, you know, by utilizing that, you know, quick first step and then, you know, a step back to create separation. He's literally like di- driving into the paint. And then when he's rising up for his shots, he's dropping that shoulder into, into his defender, not hard enough to draw the offensive foul or to, to cause an offensive foul, but just enough to, to create enough space to be able to cleanly get up and get his shots off. And then something that we've seen kind of throughout these summer league games so far is he's got that kind of like turnaround jump shot, be it, be it when he hits it as a turnaround or when he just elevates straight up in the mid range, he seems really comfortable in that area. So he's got some areas of his game that he's very comfortable with. And then the one that, you know, I've harped on already, but is going to be the biggest question mark for him moving forward is that outside shot. Can he get his three point shot to a consistent enough level to where he's not just hovering around 30, 31, 32%, because that's going to be problematic at the NBA level, right? He's going to need to get that shot up to around 35, 36, 37% to, to want to have, you know, consistent minutes at the NBA level. And I think he's, you know, capable of doing that. I'm, you know, I'm a large proponent of the fact that if you put in enough time and effort, I feel like as long as you don't have anything drastically mechanically wrong with your shot you can you can make you can become a better shooter as long as you put in the time and the work you might not ever be a pure shooter right but you can get up to a you know respectable percentage from behind the arc if you put in the time and effort that's needed to do that so i've been you know i come away thinking that josh christopher has had a really productive summer league and again it's tough to judge this rocket summer league team in its entirety because they haven't had even even when they had Jalen Green and, and Kyrie Thomas out there healthy. They haven't had a true primary facilitator point guard out there running the show. Um, in this one, we had Waters make his debut, and I'm telling you, there were multiple times where I, I was expecting or not expecting just. I looked up thinking there's no way that this guy doesn't have at least 15 field goal attempts at one point in this game, but he finished the game one of nine shooting, just one of five from behind the arc, did hit two free throws, had nine boards and five assists and five steals, uh, as well as five turnovers. So Waters was incredibly active, but at times was very much choosing to, you know, get his own as opposed to uh, involving his teammates. And that just shows that the Rockets had to go out and pick up another ball handler because they didn't have anybody on the roster. And so even when they had everybody healthy, they just didn't have that primary facilitator, that true, you know, point guard role. Cause Kyrie Thomas is kind of a combo guard. Um, we've seen him, you know, facilitate a, a little bit when he was, you know, at the tail end of the season with the Rockets, as well as a little bit there in summer league, but he's not, you know, he's not John Wall. He's not Kevin Porter jr. Not a guard that knows how to set the table offensively and then, you know, really work to get others involved. A DJ Augustine type. Sure. Right. I can name drop all those different guys from the current roster um, to show the ridiculous level of point guard depth that the Rockets currently have. So it's tough to judge this this summer league team too harshly for what they've what they've done because they haven't had that primary facilitator to get to get guys involved. But a guy who did kind of stand out, Anthony Lamb, you know, he to me, I kind of went into summer league thinking that, you know, Anthony Lamb, all right, we didn't see much, you know, out of him at the NBA level. He's had, you know, plenty of opportunities to prove himself, but he's a bona fide shooter. And that's the one thing that 
you know, he even Will Weaver mentioned it, right? Is he knows how to he knows how to get buckets. He knows how to put the ball in the hoop, and that's what he's got to do uh, for this Rockets team. You know, if he wants to have you know a career at the NBA level, if he wants to earn minutes at the NBA level, he needs to be able to put the ball in the bucket. And that's what he's been doing. So in this one, he had 17 points, 6 of 12 shooting, 5 of 11 from behind the three-point line. So 11 of his 12 shots all coming from behind the three-point arc. Had seven rebounds, had two steals, had two blocks. He hustles. You know, there's not... There's really not a reason that Anthony Lamb shouldn't be on an NBA roster. I think he's a guy that you can make the argument for, very similarly to Armani Brooks, that somebody out there will be willing to give either of those two guys a nod and, you know, let them crack a 15 man roster at some point. Um, I've mentioned this with Armani Brooks before, but if the Rockets don't bring Armani back on a legitimate NBA deal, I feel like another team is going to be willing to throw a contract at him. And I kind of feel the same way about Anthony Lamb now is Lamb has shown that he is, a shooter and that again, shooting is such a commodity in today's NBA that somebody's going to be willing to take a chance on him and just throw him a, you know, a minimum deal, a non-guaranteed deal, something for, you know, just this season or for a couple years, what have you. And maybe it pans out, right? He gets some more minutes at the NBA level. He hits some shots, proves that he can be part of a rotation. He's got good size. He's got good instincts. I mean, I think at times there's some question marks about what he does, you know, after he secures one of those, Offensive rebounds, maybe some question marks about, uh, you know, the decision making a little bit there. But overall, he plays, he fulfills his role well, right? He's a he's a good catch and shoot player. He hustles. He plays good defense. Um, nothing to write home about, but he tries, right? And I think that's what you want out of a guy like that when he's providing you that level of shooting offensively. You're not expecting, you know world-class defensive capabilities out of him. But we basically saw, you know, Summer League Lamb turn into, you know, Clay Thompson uh, in this game, right? He was, he was sinking pretty much every other three that he threw up. So take your pick, right? Game six, Clay versus Summer League Lamb, right? Who you got in a three-point shootout. Um, My money's probably still on Clay. But impressed with Lamb and past that, I mean, some of the other guys on on the on the Rockets summer league team, uh, Matthew Hurt, you know, really quiet in this game. Didn't see anything uh, that said that he was like dealing with soreness or anything. But they, you know, only played seven minutes in this one, so I didn't see any reports about him, you know, struggling with any injuries or anything. So I wonder why his minutes were so low in this one, as the Rockets have already committed a two way deal to him. And then KJ Martin, quiet game out of KJ, uh, but there were some moments. As per usual, KJ Martin trying to end somebody's career with an emphatic slam in this one. Uh, and then there were two two moments that did stand out to me where KJ continues to show an increased willingness to put the ball on the floor in transition. And I've already commented on this before, but it, it's worth bringing up again that for a guy with all the physical attributes that he has, the leaping ability, the speed, the power, uh, the finishing ability, all of that stuff – for him to be able to secure the defensive board and just take it and go is huge because instead of him having to try and find somebody, you know, find the right outlet pass and then, you know, fill a lane in transition and then, you know, look to receive, you know, a a pass or a lob to then, you know, score the bucket on the other end. If he can just get the defensive rebound, which again, he's a very solid rebounder as we've seen at the end of last season. And as, as we've seen throughout summer league, he's a pretty solid rebounder. 
uses the jumping, you know, uses his leaping ability, you know, incredibly well to secure both defensive and offensive rebounds and to just, you know, clean up plays. For him to take that board and just turn on the Jets and go in transition and then finish at the other end, it doesn't always have to be a highlight real play, but we saw multiple times him take the ball full full speed in transition and then finish with his offhand, right? So drives full full court, gets to the rim, absorbs contact, and kind of shields the defender off and goes up with his left. I've loved seeing that out of K.J. Martin, and I hope that's an area of his game that we continue to see develop because in addition to the three-point shot, which we saw at the end of last season, kind of start to get better and get to a place where he was absurdly hot from three. Uh, his handle is the is the area of his game that he's got to work on the most. And so those opportunities in transition are a bit easier than a half-court set where he's having to create off the dribble and break somebody down using his handle. Uh, you know, a defender who's set in their stance and not you know rotating over or anything like that. That's a lot harder for some for for somebody like KJ to do rather than just an open court in transition where he can just take the ball, turn on the jets, and go and speed past everybody as long as he can you know keep the ball with him. So I love seeing that quiet game from him though. Just eight points, uh, three boards had four turnovers. The Rockets as a team turned the ball over a lot, 23 different turnovers um, in this one. But again, that's bound to happen when you don't have a prototypical point guard out there steering the team, kind of organizing things, that kind of stuff. But overall, I'm impressed with what we've seen out of the team throughout summer league. You know, we got our two and a half games out of Jalen Green. It's very clear he is as marketed, you know, the, the future star of this Rockets franchise. And the standout thing to me when it comes to seeing now we've seen a game and a half without Jalen Green is how much easier he makes the game for his teammates because defenses had to key in on him so much already at at this early stage of his career to where there was so much focus being placed on him that using uh, using that gravity, he's able to create for his teammates and then that in turn, right, it didn't always lead to an assist for Jalen Green, right, where he's breaking down the defense, kicking it out, and bam, there's a shot, right? But sometimes his passes would lead to, right, hockey assists, right? He makes the pass, and the defense is scrambling, they're rotating over, and then the second pass is made, and then the shot goes up, or then the drive happens because the defense is scattered, and, you know, they're, they're, the rotations are a little bit too slow, what have you. And so not having that caliber of player out there on the floor has definitely been apparent in this last game and a half or so with no Jalen Green on the floor is you're you're not seeing defenses key in on any one of these guys, right? Even Josh Christopher, he went off for 20 points, right? You're not seeing Josh Christopher create that same level of gravity that Jalen Green creates to to open things up for his teammates. And that's exactly what you're expecting out of these star players or these, you know, draftees, these rookies who are coming in who you have expectations of stardom for is the ability to make the game easier for their teammates. And I think we've seen a lot of that from all the top prospects so far. We've seen that out of Cade Cunningham. We've seen that out of Jalen Green. We've seen that out of Evan Mobley. We've seen that out of Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs. All these top guys have had moments where you look at them and like, yeah, they're the ones leading this team. They're the ones making life easier for their teammates, be it offensively, be it defensively. Um, again, I've walked away incredibly impressed with Scotty Barnes and what he's able to do really on both sides of the court. I think offensively too, he's shown, you know, quite a bit of, 
uh, offensive capabilities. There were some times where he just had some like, you know, walks into some pull up three pointers that I had no idea were going to go in when it's just straight bottoms. Um, Cade obviously is as marketed so far. Evan Mobley's had an impressive summer league. And I think that, again, the main takeaway that I have out of this draft class is this is going to be one of the most star studded draft classes that we've had in a long, long time. Um, I think it was Jalen Green, actually, himself, that said that this is the most talented. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, misquoting here, but I think it was him who said that he thinks this is the most talented draft class since 2003. And I'm inclined. I, Early returns, right? And it's just summer league, and we'll obviously need to give it a lot longer time to to see how these uh, how these players truly develop and what courses their respective NBA careers take. But just on the offset, I'm inclined to believe that the, just the raw talent level out of this past draft is right there alongside the 2003 draft class. So with that, I'm excited for the Rockets' final summer league game, which will be a 4 p.m. Hang on, time zones are weird. It's 2 p.m. here in Vegas, tip-off, so that's a 4 p.m. Central tip-off. Usually I run everything in Central time because, you know, Houston. Uh, but it's 2 p.m. Pacific Pacific time tip-off, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central, throwing out way too many time zones now. Uh, their final game against the Portland Trailblazers, so we'll get to see uh, f- former Rockets legend Michael Beasley, uh, as well as, I believe, Kenneth Fareed is playing for the Trailblazers Summer League team, I think. Um, so that'll be a fun little uh, trip down memory lane, fun little matchup there for the Houston Rockets. Uh, final game, uh, we'll be we'll see what happens there. You know, maybe Alperin Shingun goes for another twenty point performance. Josh Christopher again. Maybe we get a little bit more out of Usman Garuba. It'll be a fun final game to you know cap off summer league. But with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. As always. Appreciate you uh, tuning into the show. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the brand new YouTube channel. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Himalaya, the brand new Odyssey app. Would sincerely appreciate it. But for today's show, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.